and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual dive into the cinematic canon. My name is Isaac, your resident casual, and I am joined here today with Juzo Greenwood, substitute expert, but also a consistent expert that shows up on the show. Juzo, how are you? Uh, very good. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Isaac. I, I've enjoyed talking about all these Fincher movies very much. Yes, we're we're diving into a ton of Fincher films. All the last episodes, I feel bad for addressing you as Juzo, just a just a you know another expert we pulled in. You're a great friend, Juzo. So I don't want to. Oh, felt extremely sterile of an introduction, <laughs> and our you know resident expert that we rented for the the episode. No, uh, Juzo is a great friend of the show, great supporter, and also uh, I would say probably the most, literally the most knowledgeable when it comes to film. Probably more than Cameron. Probably deserve Cameron's job, if I'm being honest. So <laughs> Cameron's good at what he does. We don't need to discriminate. But thank you, Isaac. You're very kind. Well, he's not here to defend himself, so that's a perfect time to just completely <laughs> slander his name. That's that's how I feel about it. How, how's life been treating you, Juzo? Are you doing Are you doing good? Anything you been up to? Anything lately? Nothing. Nothing that exciting to report. I mean, we had a pretty nice hang the other day, um, and. Um, I don't know. I've been watching a few interesting movies and uh, also I had this kind of cool thing. It's very, very minor. But yesterday, um, a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine is friends with the, the film composer Michael Giacchino. And he sent me this oh, wow. little video of, of Giacchino uh, giving a little greeting to me. And I thought that was very sweet. Wow. Um, hopefully someday I'll, I'll get to talk to the man himself. But it was it was a very nice uh, little some very complete surprise uh, gift from my one of my buddies from the film club. So that was cool. And Giacchino, of course, is just an, a great uh, uh, hero of mine uh, for really my entire life. I mean, since when, whenever The Incredibles came out. Yeah, what an incredible... That, that <laughs> lack of a, another word, but j- like a exquisite score, I would say. Oh. Just um, such a unique noir explosion of sound in your face i think it is uh, it makes that movie 10 times better and people probably don't even think about how how much it amplifies the entire movie's feeling no it's it's one of the best of all time and i would i would put ratatouille up up there in that category as well so that was just a cool little just a very small thing that happened yesterday but it's just sort of on my mind is very sweet uh my shout out to my friend art who who put that together so um but yeah, how have you been, Isaac? Well, I haven't been watching much. I do want to hear about what you've been <laughs> watching, if there's oh, anything sure. to report on that. But the only reason is because I moved. So I do apologize if my audio sounds a little different. I have no treatment in this room. I might never have treatment. So I just, it might take a second for me to learn how to EQ it. So it's a still a decent listening experience. But man, this is the second time I've moved in a year. And I have to say, both places have been above and beyond what I've expected. This new place that I moved into, um, it has a dishwasher, which I didn't realize how much I missed. And mm. it also has full air conditioning. So uh, this is probably going to be the first episode where I am not going to be sweating by the end of it. <laughs> because I can I can literally just use climate control. Like it's, I feel rich Sure, it is a one-bedroom place, but I feel rich because of this air conditioning. I'm I'm astounded awesome, how how powerful I feel, you know. <laughs> um, so no, and it's it's an upgrade with the neighborhood and everything like that. So it feels it feels good. It feels really good to be moved. My setup is an absolute mess. There are cardboard boxes everywhere, and I hope someday 
I'll be able to have you over, Juzo, because it is a cool spot. I, I'd love to have you over sometime. I look so, forward to You it. and Cameron. Yeah. I, w- I It's weird, because this is the other thing. I probably won't be watching a lot of movies, because I don't have a TV. <laughs> and I don't oh, have a couch, oh, oh, either. Okay. <laughs> uh, I left that stuff with my brother, who I used to room with. So, um, oh. it's kind of a strange situation. Eventually, I th- I will get one. and uh, But I watched <laughs> the movie we watched tonight on a laptop which I was not super excited about. Um, I don't know. Have you ever watched a movie on a laptop, Juzo? Is that sacrilegious oh, yeah. to you? Well, I mean, it, it's obviously I would prefer to watch everything in a movie theater. But yeah, and of course, I watch tons of stuff on my laptop. I even, I mean, I, there's a v- brief period of my life where I watch stuff on my phone even as a, as a kid. But yeah, I watch a lot of stuff on my laptop. In fact, I watched this movie on my computer just because I, um, I think I was... I was trying to kind of keep keep it down before my mom had woken up in the morning, and um, yeah, you know, it's not the best thing, but it's it's good enough. I mean, really, the only annoying thing is for some reason my computer keeps sleeping, so the movie kept sleeping in the middle, and that was kind of distracting because the movie has these fade outs, but sometimes it would fade out, and then my screensaver would come up, and it was uh, a little bit irksome. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, you can't really beat the big screen. Today, I, I had an experience where um, I think it was because there's some football game going on in town, but I'm pretty sure the Blue Angels flew over my house. Uh, it, or not this house, but my brother's house, which was like probably, you know, 10 miles from the stadium because um, I, I was there picking up a few things mm-hmm. today. And the noise, they like broke the sound barrier over the house and I was like, I felt like my chest basically Jeez. pop out. I was like, wow. And the first thing I thought of was I was like, I haven't felt that way since like being in a movie theater. Which yeah, I know yeah. that's that's a strange thing. But like when I saw Dune on the XD screen or whatever, yeah. um, that had sort of a similar effect where your chest is kind of overwhelmed. Yeah. And it made me feel bad that I didn't see Top Gun in theaters. I was oh, like, oh, shoot. Hey. There's I still time, dude. Dude, there's still time. It's still in theaters. You could still go do it, man. I I know you're busy, but like, it's that's true. Well, I don't around. I don't have a TV, so yeah. maybe maybe that's a good excuse to go. Um, but yeah, it's one of the few movies I can recommend that I think Jules would like as well. That's another thing I'll say. Um, oh yeah, no, I I, I don't have a doubt. I feel like she just would be resisting because she's like, not another one of these movies that Isaac's dragging me to. <laughs> she. <laughs> I feel so bad with the amount of movies that I'm like, hey, you want to watch this? And sometimes she's like, no, I really don't want to watch anything you have to show me at this point. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's funny enough. Juliana is, I think, a secret Fincher fan um, because she was a huge fan of the social network. And she was the one that showed me this movie in the first place, Gone Girl. And she had already seen Zodiac, too. So I was so surprised. I was like, oh, yeah. Have you seen Zodiac? She's like, yes, of course. I'm like, what? How? You know? (laughs) So she's more of a a Fincher Fincher gal than I am. So, uh, Juzo, what have you been watching this week? I I do want to know. Oh, yeah. I'll just run through a few things really quick. I mean, I saw the new Confess Fletch movie with John Hamm, which is kind of neither here nor there. Really nothing good about it, but... Kind of, it's kind of easy to watch, not unpleasant. Um, I will rewatch The Godfather Part Three, which was a movie we discussed in my new Nicholas Al film class, which I definitely think is a flawed film, but kind of worth seeing, and it's worth sort of grappling with as a part of that trilogy. I definitely would recommend seeing it if you haven't. I don't think you have, right? No, um, I, I, 
I do feel like I should even revisit. There are so many films that we watched for this show where it's gotten to the point where my casual taste has been um, probably exactly what Cameron wanted. Absolutely degraded to the point where I feel like I could sit through anything where it's Uh like I can watch it with two brains at this point. I'm like, uh, at the end of the day, the deciding factor for me is, am I extremely bored? But for mm-hmm. I feel like this show has helped me appreciate more things about films that I wouldn't find any value in before. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been I thinking of The Godfather. It's like Godfather Part 1 I thought was really um, pretty slow, mm-hmm. and that kind of hurt it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made it feel quite sterile when a lot of people feel opposite about that film. They're like, oh, it's such a, like, wonderful like family kind of you know crime drama where you just there's something about being a part of the family that people connect with or something like that it it does hold you at a distance a little bit i think we may have talked about this but i do understand that take and i think it also you know i also looked at godfather 2 i think i may have mentioned this last week but watching godfather 2 again it's just sometimes you have to see these multiple times the godfather movies just to understand what's going on in the stories and the relationships themselves, because there's so many characters and so much going on that it's, you know, can just, you can kind of zone out just because you don't know who everyone is. Um, yeah. So, but I still think Godfather 3 is definitely, the takes about it being the weakest one are are definitely correct. Um, another film I would highly recommend uh, we watched at the film club was Lifeboat by Alfred Hitchcock. This is a 90 minute film from 1944 of just a bunch of people stranded in a lifeboat and, you're thinking, how could this possibly be compelling? How could he sustain your interest? It's incredibly exciting. It's a really, really suspenseful, fun um, kind of character study slash thriller um, with some interesting kind of, uh, you know, co- a little bit of a commentary going on about World War uh, II and Nazis and, um, you know, sort of um, the American situation uh, through that whole thing. Um and then another film I would very highly recommend is the new film Barbarian, which I may have talked to you about when I saw you the other day. Um, this is a new, yeah, it's a horror movie. I mean, I can say that much. But apart from that, I really would encourage anyone who is listening to see this movie completely cold. In fact, Isaac, if 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 you live closer, if we could figure something out, I would. This is a movie I would have loved to go see with you and. Uh, Cameron and Tim because it's a fun audience movie just to see the different ways it unfolds really an incredible um, even just the small theater I saw saw it in how Um, like scale of one to ten how gross is it for people or is it would you say it's a fairly um, run-of-the-mill horror movie it's (laughs) like I guess pretty uh, what's that is it closer to like hereditary energy uh, or is it more like, you know, psychological or is it more like, I don't, I don't know. I don't I mean, know how it It's kind of all of the above. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's some gore in it. There's some, you know, there's some parts that are just scary, like just suspenseful and scary. There's parts that are upsetting in terms of, um, just psychologically what's going on. It kind of, it kind of checks every box, but I just think it's so oh, wow. surprising and, uh, well made and also incredibly funny very very funny movie and mm. um i wouldn't compare it to jordan peele like in terms of um the film like the content itself but it does th- it does have a little bit of parallel because it's a it's a 
comedy actor or comedian who's sort of making the transition into filmmaking and um, making a movie where horror and comedy sometimes coexist within the same um, scenes and uh, just a really strong command of the medium. Um, and then the other last thing I saw other than Gone Girl was uh, Avatar. It, I saw the re-release of that in theaters. And I have to say, I was a little disappointed uh, in the film having really liked it when it came out. In fact, it kind of was, I always point to Inception as the film that got me to be interested in movies that were not just animated movies. But in a way, it really was Avatar, even though I kind of, Avatar almost is like a children's movie. But it was kind of the one of the first quote unquote adult movies I really liked and saw in theaters a couple times and um, made me more interested in movies. So I, even though it became sort of cool to not like Avatar for many years, I was excited to look at it again, especially in a you know ideal, you know, at the Grand Lake Theater. But it it is a pretty generic movie in terms of story, in terms of characters. I mean. There are other movies you watch where it's like it's a predictable hero's journey. You watch the original Star Wars. It's like a very simplistic uh, in terms of the storytelling. But there's no one as exciting as Harrison Ford, you know, in Avatar. Even There's not really anyone as exciting as Mark Hamill or Carrie Fisher in, in Avatar even. Um, I don't know. Are you a big into Avatar? I mean, you probably haven't seen it since the theater either, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't remember my first viewing... I don't remember if it was in the theater or not. When I was a kid, my my dad was really into movies and he actually bought a projector that broke hmm. when I was in the, in the beginning of high school. But he had the full like 7.1 with like a projector. And so hmm. I, I think I probably watched it there uh, at, at home and I did not like it. Uh, I didn't know anybody that didn't like it either. Um, when I watched it, I felt really bored. It reminded me of strangely like some kids, like kids movies, like dark preteen book based kid movies that I had hmm. seen. Um, something about it. Like I remember watching it and thinking like, boy, this feels like it should have a lot of things that I like. Uh, because I was really into Halo at the time when the when the movie came out, and I was like, I like the mechs, I like the guns and the marine thing. Um, but pretty quickly, I was like, this is sort of a Pocahontas thing. I've never ever been into the tribal stuff. I don't mm-hmm. understand like when things and people and media like they're like, we just have to get into this tribal thing. And there, are, like my favorite tribal aspects of any movie are in Westerns. Um, I would say with like native American stuff, that's awesome to me. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I watched dancing dances with wolves or something like that. And I was like, I was like, Oh yeah, this is like, I guess I can understand some tribal stuff to this, you know, kind of fish out of water stuff. Um, but recently, you know, watching rings of power, freaking Harfoots being weird tribal nomads and, uh, I've been watching, um, I watched some of Andor as well. I guess that was two weeks ago before mm-hmm. the move. So I guess I have been watching things, but that was before I left. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole tribal children, tribal plot in that. And I was laughing my head off with Glenn because I was like, who care? Like who wants to see this? Who I, wants I, another tribal thing? You know, it's weird to um, say, cause I don't, I, it's like, 
I, I almost I, I would expect I would be more interested in that sort of thing or the just the splendor, the visuals and whatnot in Avatar. But yeah, I, I do kind of agree, at least with Avatar that uh, I mean, I haven't seen the other things you're talking about, but it my eyes were just sort of glazing over for that sort of thing. And um, I kind of was honestly enjoying the movie more when it's at the military compound and it's like the the asshole colonel you know just uh yeah. being this giant bozo and you know he's kind of the only fun character in the movie everyone else is just kind of oh we're just nice people doing the right thing it's like boring i just yeah <laughs> rather yeah. watch this guy shooting yeah. a gun with his legs <laughs> played out and you know just being a, a dick you know much more yeah, fun yeah. to me i would say you know i think avatar has the makings of a decent video game but it's not even that far I would I would say a good example of that would be to to me the, the and because there's mechs um there's a game called Titanfall 2 that basically is the avatar plot I wanted more from the movie where you are part of the invading marines and things don't go right and then you know you're kind of you kind of have uh the flip-flop of sides and you're you're stuck with you know, um, you you kind of are guided into like you're on you're stuck on a planet and and things like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's there's better. Actually, I don't know if you flip sides on Titanfall two. I don't remember. Well, anyways, I can't help you the point that. is the point is is that you, there's cool mechs fighting and things like that, and it's all with these kind of different political factions on the planet. I yeah, there was something very boring about Avatar, and there's nothing that CGI could save for it. When I saw it and granted, I had watched the Lord of the Rings and a couple other movies being in middle school when Avatar came out. And I remember thinking, I don't care about any of these characters. Mm-hmm. I don't like the I remember <laughs> this is very much like a middle school child. I remember thinking, like, who cares about like the alien girl? You know, <laughs> that's just like how I felt. And mm-hmm. back then I was like, OK. That was just, you know, obnoxious Isaac not really caring about alien romance because I don't think I care about that now, you know? Well, um, I mean, as a kid, you might be a little more like, ew, gross about it. Exactly, um, exactly. I just think now now I you know, I don't mind, you know, romance in movies, but I just think it's, it's one of these movies where the only reason you're rooting against the you're rooting for the good guys is because they're not the bad guys. You know, there's nothing really about these characters that is very interesting to me, but uh, it would have been cooler if the good sometime. <laughs> it would have been cooler if the good guys lost, you know, that I mean, honestly would have so. been a more interesting movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. What is there to say about avatar that hasn't already been said? I don't care that they're making another one. I don't even know why people went to go see that movie so many times. Um, it reminds people me of my like dad, lot, you know, I, my dad would always be like, oh, like he would always buy the video games. He was like that have the best graphics. And mm. I was like, that's not why you play a game. You know, you're mm. missing the point of the game, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like for a long time, some people went to movies thinking, well, the CGI is just amazing. You know, there's kind of like that, that era with the matrix really showing off different things you can do in CGI and, a lot of movies paying big for that, and there it was. There was kind of a draw with that, but there was an aspect with Avatar of the three D. I think that appealed to a lot yeah. of people, and I think that's still. Um, I mean, it's it's at the time was was pretty groundbreaking, and still to this day, um, 
very few films I've seen have um, exceeded it in terms of the way it uses 3D. And even seeing it again, um, you know, there aren't really 3D movies anymore. So seeing it uh, last week, there was kind of a cool aspect of like, oh, here's a, a 3D movie that's done well, um, you know, projected well and all that sort of thing. Um, but once you get past that, there's not really much underneath, I think. Um, but yeah, people really like this movie and people are coming around to it. I'm noticing in the same way Titanic, where Titanic had this arc of being very uncool. So like people tend to, you know, kind of turn against the things that are really popular. And then it, it kind of becomes so uncool that it becomes cool to like it again. You know, you're like your alternate opinion is, is thinking it's good. Um, so I don't know. I'm definitely a, I know excited. I'm definitely interested to see the new one though, because you know James mm-hmm. Cameron. I definitely um, of of the f- most of the big d- directors is not one of my favorite, but he's definitely a talented, interesting filmmaker, and definitely a um, a great craftsman with the sort of you know state of the art uh, tools and technology. I mean, he was doing stuff with CGI that had never been done before in the 80s and 90s, and um, yeah, he's he's made a lot of cool movies, so. He's making another one. He, he does makes a movie every 12 years, it seems like. So, you know, I'll check it out. But um, yeah. And what other movies has James Cameron done outside of Avatar? Just for the audience. Oh, uh, the Terminator movie. The first two Terminator movies, um, which I'm not crazy about the first one, but the second one's really good. Um, Aliens. Uh, great movie. The Abyss uh, and Titanic um, and True Lies. I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't actually seen Titanic either, but. Um, no, he's he's a good filmmaker, but I'm just uh, wow. I didn't know he did True Lies. I've seen that. <laughs> oh, you have? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've huh. seen a lot of. I have not seen Titanic. I've not seen The Abyss, but I think I've seen the other one. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah. No, I I I'm not interested. But let me know how it is. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, this is, again, Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars our way. Get some exclusive show benefits on Patreon, like having your questions read on air. If any of our Patreons would actually message us, please write in the show. We want to know what's up. Uh, Just shout out to Darren, who's our executive producer. Thank you for supporting the show, Darren. And uh, we appreciate all of you guys and your support. If you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. Sharing the show really helps our small production and uh you know giving us a rating on itunes all that all all those things help uh the show grow and reach a larger audience so we appreciate you guys we do this podcast because it's fun but we hope you guys enjoy it as well so we appreciate you being here we appreciate you listening juzo we are finishing off fincher month together and i'm sure cameron and i will have a little bit of a retrospective at the end of it probably at the beginning of next episode or the end of next episode i'm not sure yet Mm -hmm. um but we, you're closing out Fincher with Gone Girl. And I have seen this Fincher movie before. This is probably the one Fincher movie I had seen before going into the rest of these. So oh, really? uh, very excited to be watching this in retrospect of all of the other uh, Fincher movies we've watched. But uh, how, was your, how was your viewing experience? How, how, how many times have you seen this movie? What are your kind of initial feelings about this one? Yeah, this is, I think, the third time I've seen it, or maybe fourth time. I think I may have watched it with the commentary once. And um, this is when I'm, I, it's the only Fincher movie I've seen in the theater, actually, um, because he just hasn't made very many films in the last, you know, 10 years. And this, for whatever reason, is a theater going experience that has really stayed with me. 
um, because I remember it was at the Cerrito Theater. I went with like three of my friends and the whole theater was couples, couples of all different ages, including actually uh, uh, my friend's parents who I saw there. And there was a sense of people kind of, um, I think the novel is very popular and there's sort of almost sort of like a cheeky sense of, of couples going to see this movie and kind of the, the aspect of it being the study of marriage that was, had a, a certain kind of um, fun to it. And then, of course, there's just, you know, great shocking moments and whatever that I remember people reacting to, though I won't get into specifics right now. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I definitely remember thinking it was flawed when I saw it the first time, and I kind of found certain things to be more implausible. But I have to say, when I rewatched it, uh, you know, I think it was last year or maybe the year before, and now... Um, I don't know. A lot of these complaints have kind of gone away, and I just kind of think this is another one of his... I mean, there's like 10 movies that he's made that I kind of am, I'm, that I'll say are one of his best movie because, um, I don't know, just everything he makes is at such a high level of filmmaking and craft. I think this is also him getting back to some of that kind of, um, misanthropy that I thought was, um, I don't say this as a detriment, but it was missing from Dragon Tattoo. Something I was emphasizing in last week is how that movie, you get a sense of, he kind of cares for these characters or at least um, Rooney Mara's character. And there's a sense of him um, like actually kind of feeling the heartbreak she goes through. And this is another Fincher movie that's in the vein of like the social network or, um, or mind Hunter where he's going just like, look at these two people. I mean, look at these, you know, kind of just disgusted by humanity. Um, there, there are some characters that I think are a little more sympathetic in the periphery, but um, it's a portrait of it's a very very cutting portrait of marriage and of and of modern American life and I think it's just a terrific movie. Yeah, revisiting it, I was blown away with how captivating this movie was. Again, on the second watch, how much I had forgotten of the film and how I had had these kind of shadowy bits and pieces of what I remembered, but still wanting to see like what was around the corner, you know? Um, I think this film is dense enough to watch multiple times and still get um, a lot out of, but I think this viewing, I was pretty hungry to see what the purpose of the movie was because the first time I watched it, I sort of had an impression that this was one of those airport novel books, something a little, you know, overly dramatic kind of cringy in some way and i wanted to see if that translated in the second viewing mm -hmm. and i and i will say watching it i did feel like some of the absurdity in this film like painted it in a little bit of an immature light just for me personally i don't think that that's necessarily 100% true i feel like some people could watch this movie and miss some of the 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 deeper meat of what is being tackled in it because of its absurdity mm -hmm. but i found it to be less um less less cringy this viewing hmm. uh which i didn't i didn't think it was super cringy the first time i watched it i just remember being like oh you know it's one of those page turners mm -hmm. uh and instead i was just i was just totally loving the roller coaster this time mm -hmm. watching it mm -hmm. and i was really surprised by that because um i was like this movie has this incredible 
velocity where it starts as, as a missing person mystery and you feel a little bit of that like early Fincher. Like it's like a vignette of all, all of these different movies that he's been a part of um, from, you know, like a missing person, like the news and the interviews and things like that to all of a sudden like a villainous breakdown around you know one character who you've been following for a little while and you're like wait and then you know the plot kind of twists again and then it twists again and each one of those twist moments kind of allows you to be like participating in a mystery that you didn't think you were going to be a part of at first Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like the movie really does in the title it's like there's a person that goes missing and so you're following the characters and you're kind of like it's a little bit of a whodunit and who knows stuff and then some information's revealed suddenly it becomes kind of for lack of a better word like breaking bad-esque where you're like am i following uh you oh, know, where you're questioning the, the morality of of the character. I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You're kind of questioning, like, oh, like this movie might be different than I thought. Like suddenly, um, this might be something that I didn't realize. And then it twists again, right? And and like, there's all these great moments where the movie, uh, sort of, it's not changing genres, but it kind of feels like it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, no, sure, with absolutely. The, with the way that it kind of goes into these different. Um, these different like tidbits. I, I think that this film has a little bit of like, like kind of blunt. I know this might not make sense, but like blunt anarchy in a a marriage relationship. It's like very heightened and very like, like overly like, aggressive like man like we were so in love and now we should we're we're manipulating each other and hate each other so much you know and and i and i think there's a little bit of that fight club energy coming out towards the end in this film that i think landed the least impactful and it really made me kind of sit back when the credits rolled and i was like what exactly is this movie trying to get at Cause I really thought I was going to pull something um, fairly deep and meaningful uh, from this movie. And I felt like it kind of towards the end, it gets a little bit like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it feels kind of simplistic in its messaging at the, at the ending. I <laughs> haven't quite figured out what this movie means Boy. for me, Juzo. So I, I kind of wanted to throw that question to you is like, what, it, what do you think the purpose of this movie is well, or what is it trying to say? Well, we should, yeah. I mean, are we just going to say spoilers at this point, like beyond this point? Because a lot of this movie cannot really be discussed without spoiling a lot of it. Sure. And it's the best. Go- I know I was, I, to go I was kind of having a hard, yeah, I was kind of having a hard time, uh, uh, explaining what I was trying to say without giving away too much. Um, I just want to say, like, this movie, I think you should watch it. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's really good. Definitely. I will say that it is kind of, it's it's dark, but it doesn't feel as dark as other Fincher movies that I've seen. It's a little less um, violent, a little less um, 
it's it's like disturbing in emotional terms, but not not in terms of um you know, it's not like Dragon Tattoo where there's some really gnarly stuff. There's yeah, brief gnarliness, but it's it's pretty minimal compared to other other Fincher movies, I think. There are some scandalous elements. There are, you know, there's some nudity and whatnot. And there is there is like one very gory scene. <laughs> um but like all in all, I found it to be uh, I don't know. Like it's it's not it's not not dark, but it's not like some of the other movies. Like I would say like seven. Uh, I didn't watch all of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but I saw enough to be like, wow, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a this is a different level. Yeah. And I don't think it goes that far, but I do want to say be warned going into this, you know, it is yet a missing person, true crime. Like it's gonna get gritty a little bit. Yeah, I think um, I think there's something about it that is also because the characters he's looking at them a little bit more from a distance of of almost contempt and definitely of of critique that it yep. it lands with a little less not not just because it's less there's less uh, violence or whatever um but it's less of, of a sense of tragedy tragedy a less of a sense of um you know heartbreak or whatever that you might get in 7 or um or in Dragon Tattoo where there's a little bit more um there's more of a sense of devastation by the end of this movie. This movie is a little more um, almost like anthropological, like looking at these two creatures and kind of and kind of regarding them. I mean, I think your sympathies may fall in different ways, and we'll get into that. But um, mm. it's really, I mean, it's it's a it's a fascinating character study at heart, and that's also, by the way, why why I'd say it's um, it's so rewatchable because even though you know the secrets of the movie after your first viewing of it. Um, I think this applies to all of his movies too. It's much more about observing characters and there's so many, um, all his films, he has such a sense of detail in terms of how he's, um, he sometimes cuts to people for half a second or 16 frames or something. But in that, you know, 16 frames, there'll be a little expression they make that will reveal so much of who they are and how they're Mm -hmm. reacting to someone else and how what they say then impacts the other person. Um, and you know, so many movies just feels like a recitation of dialogue or the plot, but his his movies just have this quality that um, cuts so much deeper in terms of um, exploring human behavior. Um, so anyway, this all constitutes the highest of recommendations. And um, if we're if we're going by the ev- is it for everyone whatever scale, I think this is I'd say this is for almost everyone. Maybe not your your nice grandma, but you know, almost everyone would enjoy this. Again, like the word I'm I'm gonna use is scandal. If you're gonna be like turned off by that, you know, oh, you know, like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, you're probably not gonna be able to grapple and dissect with some of this stuff. Um, but I do think there's a lot in there. I I also want to say like, kind of watching it with Jules again. Like she's really drawn away from true crime stuff. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like it. She doesn't want to watch it anymore. She's has she has enough anxiety about things in the world that she doesn't enjoy watching stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So this movie's opening moments for her were kind of like, yo, like I just forgot. Like this is not kind of the movie that I enjoy. Um, and I was like, come on, like that's kind of a, an 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 awesome creative opening that draws you in in a weird way. Um, and so we we continued to watch it together. And for her, it was. 
again, like these characters, they're not relatable because some of them are a bit deplorable, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's kind of one of those dumpster fires you just don't want to turn away from. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that that is a really, sometimes you just need that, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I think it's it's interesting. Like I always think of um, my <laughs> my dad is a very moral person, and he would never want to watch movies with like criminals in them. Like when we were, he was like, "Oh, and we've talked about this, Jesus, mm-hmm. right?" Yeah, he's like, "Oh, you can't you can't watch uh, a show about a bank robbery and stuff." And it it resulted in me in high school being like super into heist movies and heist stuff. I'm like, this is <laughs> so exciting, you know? yeah. Uh, because you know, oh, so rebellious to watch that, right? Yeah. Um, as if I was gonna watch it and become a bank robber, Dad. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'll never forget. You know, uh, he secretly watched like all of Breaking Bad, despite like <laughs> what he taught us. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. and he was just like totally. He was totally into it. Huh. You know, and I think I have never seen Breaking Bad, but maybe there's something about it where it's like if you want to kind of dive into an experience like that you know um i know it sounds silly for me to go on and on about this but i think we paint a clearer picture i do recommend this film though um i i think it's uh the the only thing that keeps me from recommending it is that i it kind of just feels like entertainment to me because i haven't been able to dissect what it means so you've been warned Mm -hmm. full spoilers juzo I'm going to give you the floor. Like, I want to know what you think this movie is, is trying to say. Well, hold on. I well, I, I'd like to hear what you were thinking first, actually about, well, well or at least know, what I, you were turning over in your head with regards to that. It's kind of difficult for me not to be thinking about marriage. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> my wedding is at the, I have a wedding coming up at the end of this month. Um, right. which is is a lot of stress and also a lot to think about uh, with life. And it's a very exciting time. And so this movie is, of course, diving into a bunch of uh, probably poor poor relationship management. Um, I've yes. also, and, yes. and I'll just admit this too, uh, I, I have been, like Jules and I have been going to marriage counseling, like premarital counseling hmm. together. And that's been super interesting Hmm. Uh, to kind of learn about like where people, you know, have issues with conflict and conflict and things like that. And I'm sure that just, <laughs> just because we went to this doesn't mean we're going to get along all the time mm-hmm. by any means. That's oh. basically the point of it saying you're not going to get along. So what are we going to do about that? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so to then to watch this movie after that, literally after our last premarital counseling session, mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of funny um, because it was all I could really think about is like kind of the, the, um, the marriage counseling that we went to. I think the problem that I had with this movie is that it felt like it was recognizing a lot of issues in marriage, uh, very relatable um, flaws that people have when committing their lives with each other and how communication can fall out and this mm-hmm. deep festering uh, apathy grows between two people that are also somewhat still strangely drawn together. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of just puts that all on display, but what, uh, what I'm kind of confused about with it is I'm like, so what, you know, um, I, I don't entirely 
know what else to do with that besides its presentation. And maybe that's all it is. And it's kind of like great for popcorn munching at the same time. I, I, I've already been moved deeply by a lot of Fincher movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I've said this already on one of the shows, but I think the social network moved me in (laughs) such a powerful way, um, that I did not expect. And, Watching this movie, I was like, this still kind of feels like a page-turning thrill ride, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so maybe it's just more similar to Panic Room, right? Uh, just a lot more gritty or something with um, some hard points going on with it. It also kind of has this this way of being... <sighs> Like, it's like the kid that walks in and says, I'm going to say the thing that everyone knows and nobody wants to hear, you know? Uh That's kind of how Uh this movie comes across. And Uh nobody likes those people, you know? Uh Uh, Because they're not actually adding any solution. They're just being like, did you guys know that if you, you know, staple your hand, it's going to hurt? You know, like, that's the truth. Uh And... And and then he's like, here, let me show you. And he like staples his own hand and uh, you're just staring at him like, why? Like, Mm -hmm. just stop, you know? Uh Um, So I did, like, I do feel like on kind of an intellectual level when I've reflected on this film, that that's kind of where I'm stuck at, where I'm like, okay, yeah, I see kind of the um, blown out dramatic representation of a married fighting couple I can kind of recognize that there are clear flaws with this and we're pointing them out. And even though it's dramatized, you know, there are relatable elements probably in a marriage relationship Mm -hmm. um, where it's like, you know, how people move and and their loyalties to family and and how how much money can hurt uh, a relationship and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I still... It's not that I'm looking for resolution. It just kind of feels like a guilty pleasure watching this couple mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> foil away into anger. I mean, you know? it definitely is. It definitely is a guilty pleasure. Or, I mean, I I, I kind of don't believe in guilty pleasures because I just am like, oh, if you enjoy something and it's stupid, you know, that's there's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. But I think, yeah, it definitely is hitting some of the, the same things as Panic Room. I think most of his movies are, even The Social Network, frankly, um, that it's just a piece of pure entertainment that, as you're talking about popcorn munching, you could just enjoy, uh, you know, in a you know, quote-unquote mindless sort of way or in a way that's sort of just on a you know, experiential level. Um, and it's, interesting, I, it's interesting what you said about the, the kid coming in with the stapler or like the, the kid who says you know, the thing everyone knows is true, but it's like, so what? Because I do feel that with some, with some movies. I mean, actually I was last week I was talking about the Marilyn Monroe movie. I feel like that's a movie that is kind of like that where a guy's like, this is, let me just tell you how bad it is. And you're like, okay, but what else is there? And I'm not sure if this movie transcends that just because it's as a story is compelling. It might just be that. Um, but I don't know. I, to me, this movie, it it cuts to me it cuts deeper than that um though i wouldn't say if what you're looking for is a message or a a 
like a truism or a piece of advice, I don't think you are going to find it here. And I don't really think Fincher is interested in that in any movie. And I, I think, frankly, most um, great filmmakers or great artists are ex- are oftentimes exploring something that's true and kind of showing it, but not necessarily, you know, giving an answer. Because sometimes these things don't have answers. And sometimes these things are just kind of uh, open wounds that can sometimes are, are not going to heal. And I think there's a difference. Is it interesting? It's, it's. I think there's a difference between that and just a person who's coming in and and telling it like it is and stapling his hand or whatever, as you were talking about. Because I think that, um, that version of of that is kind of the a version that's just trying to shock or kind of be spectacle or be without nuance. And I think this movie, as an exploration of of marriage and of these people and of the different pressures that exist not only just on marriage, but in, in terms of American society, it's definitely a very, uh, a movie entrenched in the post recession America. I think, um, it's, I think it's a much more nuanced examination of those, those things. Um, but I don't know if I can give you like a nice bow tie on the whole thing. I don't think that's what I necessarily need. Uh huh from a movie but i don't know if i fully agree that fincher hasn't sort of like hit some home runs for me in terms of like exploring some truth or wisdom uh with his films i oh absolutely like for me the the like the social network was a movie about like being at the right place at the right time being extremely talented and like kind of the sacrifice for greatness right and really doing that in a way where it wasn't like he decayed into nobody right uh mm-hmm. or you know on the other end you know like he became incredibly successful and it was all worth it mm-hmm. it kind of lands in this middle zone that is haunting and uh tragic and also very like it had me really considering like sometimes the things I think that I want might not be what are best for me. You know, that's mm-hmm. basically what I walked away thinking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really surprised me how that's what I was considering mm-hmm. um, after that film. This movie. It. <sighs> I don't think that there isn't like wisdom, which is what I'm probably usually looking for in, in a film. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's always. Yeah. Yeah. But it just like, it's okay for me because gone girl is so enjoyable. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was just on the second viewing. I was like, I wonder if it's more than just enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I got some of those more like uh, bits of commentary about, you know, I really like what you said about post-recession American uh, like <laughs> marriage. It's mm-hmm. very, a very specific feeling, mm-hmm. right? A very yeah. specific uh, household. Yeah. Because um, well, you think your marriage or you think your any relationship really is going to be, um, it's like, you think you're insulated from the rest of the world. It's like, Oh, you, we love each other. So, you know, what else, what could penetrate that? But it's, you, you forget how much 
the external world is um, how powerless you are to those pressures, you know, and certainly when, you know, you're losing work or you have no money or, or you have family that's sick, all these things can really, you know, erode at something that could be initially very um, beautiful. Um, And it's sort of, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to avoid, you know, unless you're like super rich or something, but even that, you know, I'm sure, you know, just because people are rich, they don't have problems in their relationships either. Yeah. No, I think where it really comes forward in this movie for me, like the the moments that I think about over and over in this one are like the scene with um, Ben Affleck and the girl who takes a selfie with him. Uh huh. And and like that scene is just like to I don't know what it is. Like he's just uh, like he is affected by the outside world and there's nothing he can do about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the scene doesn't resonate or it doesn't hit as hard when you find out he's having an affair. So it's like, well, you know, like, oh, he's just trying to keep up his image. But mm-hmm. how much more complex would that have been if he, like, if he wasn't, sure, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't be as, maybe his his character would be a little bit more boring, but it would have brought a new layer of the film where, like, you know, like. I think it's, it's kind of. Oh, go ahead, guys societal pressure insinuating that there is something like wrong with someone that there isn't, you know, almost like that celebrity focus. Uh, Cause there's a lot of that in this movie. Like, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, That's the other thing I didn't touch on. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, um, it's definitely uh, something that I like, I think the movie is, um, is talking about for sure. I'm losing my train of thought a little. What were you going to say? No, you're fine. You caught me in the middle of drinking some water. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, no, it's no problem. I, I just, it's a, it's a great little like bundle of entertainment with some, some cool ideas, and that's enough for me. I'm happy with that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think this movie is also gorgeous. I think it looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and I found that the first time I viewed it, the last half of the movie, I was a little less excited about with, um, uh, Ben Affleck's wife. What is, what's, what's her character's name? Yeah. Amy. Rosalind Pike. Yeah. Where, where you, where you stay with Amy for a little bit, uh, in the last half, I wasn't as, um, like kind of captivated by that as I was with, um, sort of Ben Affleck flying blind, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the second viewing, I actually found it to be way more enjoyable. Um, her performance and her like kind of liberation from it where she's like eating all the junk food. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. awesome. Like mm-hmm. I just, I really enjoyed her um, kind of criminal uh, getting away with the plan and then the 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 payoff of her being like like she kind of begins to fail uh, as an escapee, which mm-hmm. is a very interesting um, turn of events, and I think you can kind of read into that where she's robbed, and then she tries to use kind of an old lover, but she ends up becoming um, it kind of becomes like a horror movie where she's locked in to mm-hmm. this house, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. which is a great again, another genre jump for me where she she's trying to plot out her escape from a house with all these cameras. I'm like, 
this is Panic Room, dude. Like, what is happening? You know, yeah, like, there's all these 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 cool moments from his old movies being wrapped into this. Yeah. Um, and and for for that kind of like she knows everything to. Well, I'm not going to admit I'm wrong, but boy, am I in a, in a screwed position to the point where she goes back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I was absolutely in love with Ben Affleck's, like, the TV imp- appearance stuff mm-hmm. that he was mm-hmm. doing. And um, his, his like, as soon as his lawyer shows up, uh, Tyler Perry. Oh, he's so good. Dude. He's so Like, good. that <laughs> is, like, such a exciting moment uh when they're they kind of buddy up and they're like strategizing yeah it becomes like this legal uh thing where he's like we have the upper hand oh we don't have the upper hand anymore like we need to change strategies i love where he's drilling him with the gummy bears throwing stuff at yes yes so good right like that the so the first time i watched it the beginning of like the first time i watched it the beginning is what captured me the second time i watched it the second half really shined Hmm. um and I think the end, like why I'm bringing up the question of like, what did the movie mean? Mm-hmm. It's because the end of the movie lingers a lot. Like it really wants to say something at the end, right? She stumbles home, you know, bloody and he falls into his, her arms. And there's that really cool uh, scene where they're kind of talking in the bathroom and she really becomes the master villain, right? At that, at that moment, which is like, hi, you're perfect. Like, we're going to do this together. And I was like, okay, like, so what's the point here? And it, then it just kind of goes for another 10 minutes. Um, and I was like, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of bored and I don't know what it's trying to say. So why is it still going? Uh, if it was meant to be an entertainment thing, like those last scenes, like, what am I missing here? Do you know, do you know? Do you understand kind of that feeling? I no, I do a little that? bit, and I think there's something a little bit. I don't know if it, the movie loses something just because it it feels a little implausible. Even though I, the more times I watch it, the more I'm like, okay, I get, I, I can, I can believe that he'll stay with her. It's just as such a kind of, um, I don't know, sort of shocking turn that he then is like forced into this nightmare where he can't leave this psychotic woman. Um, it ends up well. They, I mean, they kind of flesh it out. Where I, I, I think that's kind of what they wanted to get at is that he doesn't want to leave, but he does. Like he's in this weird. Well, he doesn't want to leave because I mean, he's basically being held hostage with his child. I mean, I think that's that's. I guess that's the justification. Which I, I mean, I, I buy it. It just is a little bit of the first time I watched it. It was just a, a turn I didn't understand, and I didn't understand as much her reason for coming back. I think I get that way more now. And I understand that. And it, sort of, I think what I was going to getting at earlier, which is that it's, you know, it's about, she's not, it's not that she's attracted to, she's attracted to this version of him. And it's like his, his, his performance that he puts on on TV and that he put on when he first met her. That's really what she fell in love with. And if she can force him into that role for the rest of his life, then she's better off coming home, you know, she, rather than, you know, escaping him. And, and I think it's funny where I was mentioned how all these couples, you know, went to the movie. And I think there's something maybe like for, if you're in a relationship, you go see this movie. I think maybe there's something sort of fun about it, even though it's kind of twisted that 
well, at least we're not as bad as these people, you know? But yeah, I think yeah. I think at the core, the movie is sort of saying that there 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 is something kind of um, even in that twisted relationship that that ends the movie, where that they are trapped together. Basically, um, I think he's kind of saying that a lot of relationships, not all, but a lot of relationships, kind of are a version of that, even though it's not with the stakes of murder and a person who's like a true psychopath. I think a lot of people are in a similar situation where it's um, you have you have you know one person who has power over the other person or one person who is um, holding something over them or some kind of you know I don't know it's very twisted but I think I think there's something definitely true about what he's showing and also about the fact that um, the the aspect of of self performance that's going on in the movie and that that was another thing I was when you were talking about the whole him on the TV show I think that sort of gets at that idea that he's um, or that both of them that all relationships and really all of being a human being and you know interacting with other people there is an aspect always of self performance and it's just this movie is taking it to the you know extreme version of that but. There's a kernel of that that's kind of you know true true for everyone I think, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think, I think that you're right. Um, it's just kind of a again again that I think that's where I feel like the kid walks in and starts yelling with the stapler example that I gave it's, earlier. It's very cynical. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say that and I and I almost, you know, I I don't want to <laughs> I almost feel bad saying this to someone who's getting married because it's like no. I don't want to mean that. Like I don't I don't think this applies to everyone. And I do know people I know that are happily married or happily married, you know, for, you know, 30 40 years. But I think Well, I mean, <laughs> I appreciate that, but like to to be fully honest, like I don't um I don't know if I'm going to be any good at marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh but like some seeing some of the things with this I don't fully like I, I don't I don't know. Like it's 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 to me this film is better taken as just popcorn fun than anything else. Um which be- because like even though what it's saying is there's there is that kind of like relatable truth or something like that where mm-hmm. you know oh couples can be that way it's like it doesn't offer any any kind of um new new way of of thinking about it well, if anything like for for in in my experience watching it um it kind of pegs the two sides in the marriage relationship is just downright bad, you know? And, and I'm like, I don't know if that's really, you know, uh, I, I wish almost there was a little bit more, uh, sympathy with both of them somehow. Um, and it, mm-hmm. that could have resulted in some kind of reflection or consideration in your own relationship of like, Oh, like, you know, I do kind of relate with that character and he's not a complete villain or she's not a complete villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there there's drama, but it's also like, yeah, you know, you kind of get no, what I'm I saying. Th- but I, I think there's a little bit of that sympathy, which actually I'll circle back to around to that. Cause I want to actually touch a different thing you were saying before about the, um, or just the, the fact that, cause 
even though it is so cynical, what I want to circle back to is just the idea that even though that idea of staying within the performance and having to be kind of um, like faking who you really are essentially in a relationship, I think in some ways there's also a positive takeaway you could take from that that's not just like everyone's lying and everyone's phony in relationships and every relationship is going to shit, which is that um, there, there, you can't be just completely... You, you can't put no effort into it because that's like basically what Ben Affleck does by the, you know, in the flashbacks, you know, he becomes, right. I mean, outside of just, you know, the, the obvious, you know, wrong thing he does, which is cheating on his wife. The thing about him that it becomes so unappealing is the fact that he just becomes this guy who's just, you know, playing video games and he's just, you know, oh, let's go to Outback. And he's just kind of, you know, a nothing person, basically. And it's like, I think it's it's a healthy aspect in a relationship to not be completely <laughs> to be just like the slob that kind of we all are at the very core you know like you there's there's a there is a fine line between putting on a performance where you're completely subordinating who you are and putting on a performance because you're putting on in the effort for the other person and right, because you care right. about them and i think in a way the movie um maybe that's too optimistic a read and probably david fincher would just be like oh no no, no. the this is all it's all just terrible but i think that there's an aspect to it if you, if you do want some takeaway from the movie that's not just you know the guy stapling his own hand i think that that could be it um i just i don't know if it's i i feel like you have to read pretty hard into this movie to to like i i don't i don't know i think it's almost giving it more credit than it really earned. I think it kind of it kind of has a shaky landing at the end of this film, but it's okay because it's a great ride. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, no. I think it's shaky in terms of um I mean for me it's more in terms of just like believability because at least in my head I'm just going how am I getting out of this? If I'm Nick Dunn, how am I getting out of this? You right, know? right. Because I'm just like you're not going to he's not going to just stay with this woman in this situation. I mean that's just hell, you know. Um but it's like he, he, it's it's it it works dramatically. It works as a kind of a shocking sort of twist ending or whatever you want to call it, and it works for the ideas he's um, expressing. And I think, um, in terms of whether reading too much into it, I think a lot of a lot of filmmakers often, I would argue, a lot of times when we read stuff into movies, it's a lot more than sometimes what the filmmakers even think about. I don't know about David Fincher. I think he thinks pretty deeply about his movies and I've been watching some behind the scenes stuff with him and he seems like he does really um, have a very, very meticulous eye in terms of everything, both visually and, you know, in terms of character. But I don't think, I don't think it's a, di- a, a diss on a movie to say that, you know, something me or you is thinking about it is, is more than what the filmmaker is thinking because, um, you know, sometimes they're just like, ah, I'm just telling a story. I just want to, you know, make a cool movie. And they're like, no, that wasn't about all this. And they're like, oh, I didn't even think about that, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I think personally and selfishly, I, I'm going to use another analogy, but I kind of consider a movie's execution like to like how if you had someone come and like cut down a tree. You know, and I feel like my favorite kind of movies are the ones where a guy walks up to a tree 
and somehow cuts it with one slice of like a katana and it just falls over and thuds. And you're like, that was not only amazing to watch, it was amazing to listen to. And the tree is cut down and I got something done with it, you know? Uh And I feel like some movies that are terrible don't even get the tree cut down. You're paying them 40 hours overtime. (laughs) uh, And you're like, why? Uh I just forget it. I don't even want the tree cut down anymore. Uh I don't want to be here. And then other movies... You know, it's a guy with a chainsaw. It's a little messy. Some of your roof gets damaged. Uh, but you're but you're like, the tree's cut down. It's just not the way I would prefer it to be cut down, you know? So what are you saying um, Gone Girl is of this analogy then? I feel like there's a little bit of the chaos of the chainsaw being cut, cut down with the tree because it's like, it's pretty amazing to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. The tree is getting cut down. Mm-hmm. It is falling over, but it's a little messy. And I'm not sure like where exactly i'm like good job i'm gonna pay you for the job i guess Mm -hmm. but uh i don't know (laughs) you know like that's not how i would have done it um and i think that maybe that that's the creative side of my mind um and i feel like i'm just being fairly critical with the movie but i think it comes from a place of there is so much truth and uh depth in this movie with what it's addressing in marriage things that i do believe should be talked about it's just doing it in kind of a loud way that doesn't bring um anything to me personally Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm just talking from my subjective view Mm -hmm. i'm watching it and i'm like i don't know what this is adding to like kind of my perspective Mm -hmm. right I do believe some of the best, you know, books really have you reflecting on yourself and they change you in a good way. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that I think movies do that too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think movies can have that impact. And that's kind of where that, like that subjective element comes about, uh, with me, uh, with a lot of movies is sometimes movies like they are not speaking to me at all. And it's painful to sit through them and, you know, it's, it's like, I'm, (laughs) it really feels like a waste of time. Mm -hmm. This movie does not feel like a waste of time. It's extremely enjoyable to watch. The one last bit that I was like, Ooh, it would just, it would just win as if it had that thing. And it's only coming from a place that has been, that has seen Fincher do the samurai sword cut, uh, (laughs) with the social network, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I think he even did it with seven for me. Oh, when I watched seven, I was like, what a, I am, I'm stuck here, like utterly amazed and considering, um, something like it's simple, it's simplistic, but it is deep where, Mm -hmm. you know, honestly, the thing that I got out of seven is (laughs) that the line that Morgan Freeman talks about it, the, the whole argument of not having kids where yeah. he's like, oh. how could I ever bring someone into a world so terrible? Mm-hmm. To me, that is the that is the question that that film is is grappling with, right? right? And he says and right that, after that, but I don't. Uh, not a day goes by I don't reg- think I don't think about if I made a different decision in terms of not having kids, which yeah, is and, really yeah, that's at the center of it. And that's a question that I consider often yeah <laughs> for sure. you know and 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 so like for a movie to be able to like cut into that yeah not only does it pres- it represents the question 
to me, something that I'm, I've, I guess, you know, on a personal level considered. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of gives a nuanced answer, right? I love the nuanced answers mm-hmm. because it doesn't say you have to necessarily agree with me, but instead it's a creative saying, I'm just going to share where I've kind of landed with it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think that has come forward with Fincher's work often. And with Gone Girl, I was kind of hoping that I was going to see something about marriage in here that it was like, yeah, like there's totally unhealthy habits in marriage relationships. There are toxic relationships. There are things that need work. And I wanted that little last bit of nuance to be like, and this is my last little thought, you know? Mm -hmm. And it feels like the last 10 minutes of the movie are really trying to do something there. Uh, And it just never... For me personally, it just it it didn't get that nuanced statement, mm. and I I feel like I'm being very hard on this movie. I really enjoy this movie. I watch. It, I want the audience to hear that. I really love. I think I love this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and that's but, okay. You know, that's sometimes movies just panic room. You know, I think that's you know, panic room to me is one of the greatest movies ever. I don't know what it's saying about humanity, but it's okay for it to just be fun too. I think. Um, yeah, but w- so here's what's weird about Panic Room is I wasn't looking for that because it never brought anything aggressively to the forefront. Does that make sense? Mm, no, no, no like, I, absolutely. No, this is a, definitely a movie, almost maybe, mm, I, in some ways, I'd say almost second to Fight Club in terms of his most um, here I am making a comment on society um, movie. Um, although I think it's a little maybe a little less heavy handed than fight club is fight club is very overt about its themes. Um, but definitely no, it's a movie. It's talking about marriage. It's talking about media. It's talking about sensationalism uh, for sure. I do. I, I do think that fight club also suffers a similar problem for me Mm -hmm. when I watched it. I, I wasn't as hot on it because I do feel like it was a, it was kind of the dude bro energy that was like, doesn't it suck that corporate America is pressuring us to the floor? Let's punch each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is a little bit like, mm-hmm. it's very... But it's standing outside that, though, right? That's the, that's the second layer of the movie, right? Because it's commenting yeah. on the stuff the characters are commenting on, but it's also, it's commenting on the way people absorb that kind of um, alienation and, and direct it in, I would say, unhealthy ways. But anyway, go on. Yeah, it's... I, <laughs> It's what separates the greats from like my favorite movies of all time list. So this is a very, this is a very Isaac focused like opinion, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think you can watch Gone Girl and put it in your top 10 and I'd be like, I respect that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just, when I think about some of these other films that I'm like, it does everything that Gone Girl does that I, that I'm enjoying but it just takes it to that next uh, almost like philosophical life impact thing. And I just, I I crave it, man. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's what I, when I'm sitting through, I have different expectations for different filmmakers now. Uh, And it is because of this, this podcast, right? And Fincher, you know, I have mad respect for him. I have incredible respect for him. I don't think, um, and I guess we can kind of close on on thoughts with Fincher. I I don't think enough people know who he is. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when we've been talking about these movies uh, over the past month and a half, I've been bringing up Fincher to a lot of friends and a lot of family and people that like movies. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, David, F- we're doing David Fincher movies. And a lot of the time they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know who that is. Um, but his movies are super well known. Uh, people have usually had contact with at least one of them hmm. and for good reason. Hmm. You know, I think he's one of those guys that is kind of behind the scenes as a personality uh, as a director, because I, I don't think I've ever seen a Fincher interview. I don't think I've seen anything about him mm-hmm. uh, as a creative, but f- sadly, I've seen, you know, Quentin Tarantino on the Hot Ones or something, you know? <laughs> so He's a little less public than Tarantino, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I think he has this incredible precision with his filmmakings, and him at his best is when he he kind of taps that little nuanced statement on top of all the entertainment. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that is when I'm like, I am in love with Fincher. I think uh, that's him at his best. Mm-hmm. I think of other movies that do that for me, um, so, like Hollywood classics, I would say, for me, The Apartment, I always bring up. But mm-hmm. that is one of those movies that I was strangely thinking about when watching this film because there's ideas of a fair... Mm-hmm. And uh, sure. kind of like character, uh, like tension and drama, but it's more focused around the workplace and things like that. So mm-hmm. a lot less dark, mm-hmm. a lot less true. And definitely crime, dissatisfaction you know? with life uh, runs through both movies, sure. Yeah, and and I love the way um, that the apartment kind of is is extremely depressing for an old movie. Um, and how it, it then is able to let, it's weird. It like, it almost offsets like kind of this, um, hopefulness, right. At at the end, that's so almost like obnoxious in old movies where everything's hopeful all the time in old movies that, that feels almost kind of, uh, played out when you're watching a black and white film, Mm -hmm. the apartment kind of flips it and is like, Oh, we're, we're kind of going to sludge through this depression. It feels very modern. In mm-hmm. the way that it, it's doing that, and then kind of brings in the hope, and it's like, oh, that's right. Like this is this is like what I needed right here, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, uh, it's and it does. Too. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, I hope I've made kind of my one gripe. I would say that's a very. <laughs> I mean, I think I think for you, it it could be just you know, um, there are certain movies you just don't connect to the characters or you don't i mean you said earlier you're like these characters don't have anything sympathetic about them you know um yeah compared to maybe some of his other movies where they are which i don't know if i would i don't know if i would agree with that completely i think i think there are elements that are sympathetic about both of them i mean certainly you sympathize with nick as just a you know uh, to me the worst nightmare of any nightmare is the innocent man you know wrongly accused i mean that's just horrifying um even no matter how flawed a person he is but even even amy i think there's an aspect where you're i don't know like when she's when that scene where she sees him cheating on her in the snow and he 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 does the same gesture with his girlfriend that he did with her you know um i think it's very interesting the way some people connected this movie very deeply. And if you read yeah. people's reactions to it, it almost reminds me of 
the way people watch Breaking Bad, where they they watch it as Walter White is the hero and he did nothing wrong, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. they watch yeah. Amy in that way. And I think it's because um, most people can't relate to being framed for murder, but a lot of people can relate to having a husband or or a spouse who's just a jerk and who is just kind of lame and or even uh, a, a husband who cheats on you, you know. And I think people relish at the sort of um, taking, however psychotic, taking power of her life that that uh, Amy that Amy does in the movie. Um, and it's an interesting thing to to put you. I think it's interesting when a filmmaker makes you sympathize with with really awful people and puts you in the shoes of someone really. I mean, remember when we talked about the last duel? You know, that's a movie mm. that puts you in the perspective of a monstrous person. You know, and I think there's oddly is value in that. You know, and that's that's always would be my argument to like if I ever if I was you know talking to someone like your dad who who's like I I can't watch a movie about people who are immoral. I'm like I don't think it's. Um, it doesn't hurt your 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 soul. It doesn't hurt your your self your sense of uh, morality to engage with that sort of thing. I think it's uh, yeah. I don't know if he would put it that cut and dry. Yeah, I don't necessarily mean your dad specific. I just yeah. mean you know there's. I think me just saying the idea that like oh you would sympathize with someone who's a murderer or you sympathize with a rapist or something. People would say, "Oh, how could you do that?" And, you know, are you a terrible person that you sympathize with them? It's like, no, I don't. I don't sympathize like I agree with them. It's just, um, it's putting you into the headspace of how someone comes to that conclusion, and it helps you understand um, people who do evil things in the world. And I think there's something, um, there's something valuable in that for me, at least. Mm. Well said. Really well said, Joe. Yeah. I any any closing thoughts about fincher i think i've said my part about it but i mean i don't know just watching these last three movies um I, he, he's one of these guys i just <laughs> there's so many movies i watched by him where i'm like that's my favorite one you know and i watch another one and i say yeah. the same thing and yeah. um we didn't really get into the you know some of the technical aspects of the movie but um i feel like watching some of his music videos and some of his early work, I feel like I'm seeing that more and more in his movies and that kind of virtuosity and that sense of this, that driving rhythm that scenes have, even if it's just a dialogue scene, um, it's incredibly uh, hypnotic almost. And uh, the way he uses music and the way he, he cross cuts things. There's one sequence in this movie where it was just blowing my mind in terms of editing, where there's um, uh, Amy is watching something on TV and then you're watching through the TV and then it goes to Nick watching the same thing. And then it goes to Margot watching the same. Like he's jumping through three scenes with a connective tissue of one mm. TV. And you almost don't even realize that the scene is changing. You don't realize that he's jumping through all this information because it just feels all of one, um, one piece. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's effortless. It feels effortless. Even though if you watch the behind the scenes, Fincher is like an insane man who's like, move that salt shaker one you know, half inch to the left. I mean, he's, he's, I can't imagine how he must feel watching just regular movies where people don't pay attention to that kind of thing. Um, but we're all the richer for it in, in terms of watching his movies, at least. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he does seem to have a, a pretty crazy attention to detail. Um, and I, I can't imagine ever working with him or something like that, but uh, it's probably tough. Yeah. I 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think he his name is underrated to the casuals. And I'll, I say that as a casual. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's funny. I think you're right about uh, a lot of people don't know his name, but they know the films. Like everyone, if you say Fight Club or Seven, they're like, oh yeah, Fight Club, you know, but they might not know the guy who made it, you know, because he's not on talk shows and stuff. But yeah, he should. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what Fincher's making next? Because I'd be excited to see what he's going to put out next. I'm very excited about that, actually. He's, he's I believe, in post-production on a film called The Killer. And it's a film about... I think an assassin who maybe starts to feel some kind of uh, sense of morality or guilt about what he's doing. I'm not 100% sure. It's based on a graphic Mm. novel. But the thing that's kind of uh, most exciting to me is it's written by the guy who wrote Seven. Or it's adapted by the guy who wrote Seven. Who I don't think he's written a Fincher movie since Seven. Though he's, he's done some, you know, script doctoring, I think. And um, so I'm I'm excited about that. I thought Mank, his the movie he made after Gone Girl was a little bit of a um, I don't know. It was a little bit of a letdown. It's it's interesting. That's a movie I think that uh, I don't know how I'd fit this into your tree analogy, but it that's a movie that has full of ideas and a lot of interesting ideas, but it's not. It's really boring, and it's kind of one of his only movies that the flow of the movie is really off. And, um, but it's interesting to watch and it looks great. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him get kind of back into the, a little bit territory that he's a little more attuned to with this new movie, Michael Fassbender's in it. Um, oh. yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be cool. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, I, I mean, I, that would be cool to see it. I haven't seen, uh, anything I've heard of Mank, but I didn't, I don't, I haven't watched it. Um, I, I, I think Cameron wasn't super big on it, right? No, we were both we did a show about it actually and yeah, we were both yeah. were pretty mixed on. It. I think the only Fincher that I'd recommend that you haven't seen is uh The Game. You didn't see The Game? Mm. That that's no, that's a really it. fun movie. That kind of fits into the panic room. Just pure fun, kind of like absolutely ridiculous movie, but it's so so entertaining and uh, I think you would enjoy that. Um I'd have to check it out. Yeah, I'll yeah. have to check it out. As far as what we're watching next episode, I have no idea, but I'm assuming we're going to get into some horror movies because it is October. Huh? It is spooky season. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure Cameron is feeling awfully spooky. So uh, I don't know how many horror films we'll watch because October is going to be gone in a blink for me. Um, and I will be very busy <laughs> miss, missing for a few episodes in November. So, um, we appreciate you guys listening to the show. Thank you for your time. Juzo, thank you for being on the show. Uh, and we will see you guys next Tuesday. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get check out our patreon the show cannot happen without you great listeners so we thank you for all your kindness and support